Well, it's good to be in God's house today. Amen. It's good to see you today. My name is Chet Roden, and uh, I'm filling in for your pastor. And so you've been having steak all these weeks, and now you're going to get some bologna sandwich. How about that? I'm glad to have with me my wife, Renee, sitting down here in the front. She's been with me since the beginning of my ministry. Uh, God called me to preach when I was 17 years old, and I lived in Alabama. And I was one of those who were hard-headed. I was stubborn, uh, played football, baseball, basketball, and anything else that had a ball in it, we played it. And uh, as you saw last night, we played football pretty good. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I just had to dig. I'm sorry, just a little bit. Uh, but we didn't play too good last night. But anyway, nevertheless, uh, I was 17, and God called me into the ministry. And I thought, you know what? I can't do this. Uh, I can't. If I do that, I have to quit playing ball, going to ministry, and all that stuff. Well, I was dating Renee at the time, and uh, we... Uh, the Lord just wouldn't get off my heart, off my head, out of my mind. And I would dream about preaching. I'd wake up needing to preach. And so I told her, I said, uh, Renee, uh, listen, I've got to do something. I said, God has been on me about something. And I said, I'm afraid it may cause you to uh, break up with me. You may not want to be a part of it, but uh, this is what God's got for me. And she said, what's that? And I said, well, I think God's want me to preach, going to ministry. And she said, well, you better not worry about me. You better worry about what God says. And so that's the kind of wife I got. And so uh, I'm proud to have her here uh, with me today. If you got your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Genesis. While you're turning to the book of Genesis chapter 6, let me tell you a little bit about Renee and myself. We uh, are from Alabama. We've been pastoring. I've been pastoring since 1991 full time. I've been in church ministry since... When God called me in the ministry at 18, I was youth minister at my home church, and I've been in church. I've done music. I've played in gospel quartets. I've played in all kinds of stuff. I'm in a bluegrass group now, and uh, we just have, you know, I'm just music has been a part of my life uh, and part of our life. So has the Lord, and so has ministry. And so uh, we got two sons. My oldest is Jeremy. He's 27, and our youngest is Caleb, and he's 18, and he just went to college. Praise Jesus! All right, I got a new, I got a music room now, you know. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, excited for him. God's going to do great things. But let's just, you would take just a few minutes and let's look at God's word and uh, talk about it and uh, see what God has to speak. When you come to Genesis chapter six. It begins the story of Noah. Now, you know Noah. Noah is the one who built the ark, the flood came, and that sort of thing. So what I want to do is I want to survey this whole text, okay, from Genesis 6 through the part of chapter 9. We're not going to read every verse, but I'm kind of going to follow you, walk you through there for a few minutes. And then we're going to come back to chapter 6, and we're going to hang out in chapter 6, okay? So just bear with me, follow along with me uh, very quickly as I look at Genesis chapter 6. Now, in the first part of chapter 6, we read about that the ungodly men of the world began to multiply. God was upset, and he says in verse 3, "...my spirit shall not strive with man forever." For he is indeed flesh, yet his days will be a hundred and twenty years. And so God was upset with the people. And we skip down to verse 5. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God had created this wonderful universe, this wonderful creation, and yet it had turned out wicked. Everything that they decided, all their decisions were towards sin. And God was upset. 
So verse 6, And the Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth, and He was grieved in His heart. I'm not going to preach on this, but have you ever thought about how it grieves God's heart when we make bad decisions and when we sin? And that verse grips me because I know how sinful I am in my heart. But to think that it grieves the heart of the Creator God when we sin. So that was the earth. That was the way the earth was. And we get to verse 8. It's a pivotal transitional verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it starts this new section called a Toledoth in Hebrew. I'm an Old Testament professor in do Hebrew, uh, biblical Hebrew. And so this tells us, teaches us, and shows us this is a new transition in Genesis. These are the genealogies of Noah. This is the generation of Noah. So this is a new story. So the earth has been wicked and God has made this decision. But now this refreshing character comes on the scene, Noah. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So these are the, the genealogy of Noah, okay? And we read verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So he warns them about the coming flood. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And he goes on to tell about how the ark should be made. In verse 18, But I will establish my covenant with you. God's speaking to Noah. I'm going to establish a covenant with you, Noah. And you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your son's wife with you. And he goes on down in verse 22, And thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Then the Lord said unto Noah, in chapter 7, verse 1, The Lord said unto Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household. And we read down in verse 5, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. So Noah is in this habit of doing what God said. It was an evil generation. God said, I'm going to destroy the earth. You go build the ark. He did it. And God said, now you go into the ark. And he did that. And we read then in verse 11, in the uh, chapter 7, in the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So it wasn't just that the, we sing the little song and the rains came down and the floods came up. That is literal. The rains came down, but also the water tables. It must have been earthquakes happening. This was a cataclysmic event. All of a sudden, the earth is starting to be covered with the flood. And we get down to verse 24, and something very telling. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. If we were to preach this and teach this on chapter 7, the waters were prevailing over everything. The waters prevailed over the people over the animals. The water prevailed over the mountains. The water prevailed over the earth. But those same waters were the waters that lifted the ark up above all the chaos. Verse 8, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 1. Then God remembered Noah. So here was Noah in the ark on the flood, and God remembered him. And then we go to verse 20 of chapter 8, and Noah built an altar to the Lord. He worshiped because God had remembered him. And then chapter 9, verse 1, 
So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So now as we go back to chapter 6, what we're going to talk about and we're going to take a look at is how God has used Noah in these chapters, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9, the first part of chapter 9. God used Noah in a mighty way when when all the earth was breaking open, when the rains were coming down, and when the waters were rising up, God chose to use Noah. And after we pray, I want to talk to you about a person that God uses. How you and I can be people that God will use in His plan. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love You. What a great God You are. What a great text You've given us in the book of Genesis. How we read this story that's so familiar and we think about the ark and we think about the animals. But God, we also think about You and what You were doing and how You chose this man Noah to be used. God, as we leave this place today, God, before we leave, help us to make that decision to be people who want to be and are ready to be used by you. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. As we began to sing just a few minutes ago, you saw me go back and pick up a banjo. My banjo was built somewhere around 2006, maybe the spring of 2007. I'm not exactly sure what the... Uh, date is on it, but I bought it in 2007, maybe June, May or June of 2007. Went to Nashville, picked that rascal out. I was down in Alabama. I was pastoring at a church, Southside Baptist Church in Talladega, Alabama. We got any race fans in here? Anybody NASCAR fans? Though you know Talladega, right? So we were down in Talladega pastoring at Southside Baptist Church. And we did raceway ministries out there. And so had a great ministry there in Alabama. I was pastoring there and I got a phone call. From a man named Dave Hirschman, who's now, as of Wednesday, is the acting dean of the seminary at Liberty, where I teach. Dave Hirschman said, hey, we uh, saw your resume, saw that you had graduated and with your Ph.D. back in December, and we want to hire you to teach online for us. I said, man, that's great. And so I taught online, and <clears throat> at that particular time, Liberty was growing faster than I knew what they could do. Tell you how fast it's grown in the, in, since 2007 when I hired on with them. They had 37, 33, something like that maybe, professors in the seminary. We're talking about just in the seminary, not the university, just in the graduate school seminary. Had 30-something professors. Right now, we've got close to 300 professors. So it just has grown. It's crazy, right? And so he said, now, we're going to have to load you up pretty heavy for classes. I said, yeah, that's fine, Dave. So I looked, and the first time I got an email from him, he had given me four classes to teach. I've never done it before in my life. And he said, here's four. These four. So my long story is getting longer. And so I went ahead. I, I taught those classes, got a paycheck. And my first, I was being, uh, I was pastoring church and they were taking care of me great, right? And so my wife, being as generous as she is, she said, why don't you take that first paycheck and go buy a banjo? Well, before she got it out of her mouth, I had the keys in my hand. We were walking out the door. Not, not quite that quick, but I had already decided. When I heard her say, why don't you buy a bus? I knew what I was going to do, right? So we started making plans. We went up to Nashville, and uh, there was this wall of banjos. I mean, it was, oh, man, I walked in. When I walked in that Gibson store, you could hear it go, whoa, like that. You know, it was just, oh, it's a great something. And so I looked at these banjos on the wall, and, I played them, and I played them some more. I probably played an hour trying to find the perfect one, you know. 
And so I found this banjo that I play up here. So Gibson Earl Scruggs Standard. I love the thing. Nothing particular special. It's just off the wall, but it's mine. And I like to use that thing. I've got another banjo at home, and i got an old banjo at home. But you know what I pick all the time is that one. And I just like to use it. I like the way it feels in my hand. I like its response. I know you think, oh, you know, that's an instrument made out of wood. But they respond to you. I promise you they do. And uh, this one responds well to what I do to it. And so it's my favorite. I like to use it. I use it all the time. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because God has people that he likes to use. And he uses certain people with certain characteristics. Now, he can use all of us. All of us have that potential to be used by God. Think about that. The creator of the universe wants to use you. Isn't that an amazing concept? The one who made that mountain that we see just right there, he wants to use you. The one that we see that made that mountain just down below us here, he wants to use you. The one who gave you the very breath that you breathe. The one who causes your heart to beat without you even knowing it. The one who causes all the neurons in your brain to fire in the proper sequencing. He wants to use you. So what is it in this story then that we learn about this God that wants to use us and that we learn about the people that he wants to use? Well, I've written down five things and I didn't bring a PowerPoint. Miss Mary sent me an email on Thursday and we... I don't know if you know it or not, but <clears throat> Dean Towns at the seminary, Dr. Elmer Towns, is, uh, was our dean, and he's 80-something years old. Well, he stepped down Wednesday as the acting dean and, and um, just did and went on sabbatical and rest. His wife's got cancer and some things, and so he just stepped down. And we are all caught by surprise, and so it's been a crazy week. And I told Mary, I think it's Mary's, that's your secretary, is that name right? And so I told her, I said, I, I just don't have anything yet. I'm not quite ready. So I didn't, I wasn't sure. So Friday and Saturday, I prayed and prayed, and God gave me this. So I don't have a PowerPoint ready or anything like that. So I apologize, it's not in your bulletin. But I wrote down five things about a person that God uses. And if you want to write these things down, it'll help you know the kind of person who is used by God. The first thing that we learn about Noah and being used by God is that a person who's used by God is right with God. Have you ever thought about that? In order for God to use you, you've got to get right with God. Now think about this in Noah. Look in verse 8 of chapter 6. Now we're going to hang out the rest of the day in chapter 6. But Noah found grace, this is verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Basically, the word perfect doesn't mean without blemish as we think about it. That particular word means he was in right standing with God. That's what the word righteous means, by the way. If you want to have righteousness with God, that means you're in right standing with God. If you want to be used by God, you've got to be in right standing with God. You've got to be justified in the sight of God. Now, back in those days, Jesus had not been here. This was back prior to Jesus, several thousand years. In today's world, when I'm talking to you, this side of the cross, this side of Jesus, the way that you're justified and right before God is that you have a walk with God's Son, Jesus Christ. The book of Corinthians, Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, says something like this. But God made him who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, 
made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God in him. So the first point is that if you want to be right with God in today's spiritual economy, you do do so through His Son, Jesus. And by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you come into right standing with God. You want to be used by God? You start there. That's how you become righteous before God. You trust God. Abraham was said to have believed God, and it was accounted to him as... Righteousness, which is right standing before God. If you want to be used by God, you've got to become in right standing, come into right standing with Him. And that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. Be righteous, trust God, be in right standing with God. Here's the second thing that we learn. Not only is a man used by God, a person used by God, right with God, but this person also walks with God. A person that God uses walks with with God. Look there in verse 9. This is a genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Up until this point in Genesis chapter 6, there's three times that this idea of walking is used. The first one is in the Garden of Eden. You remember when God created Adam and Eve? And it says, and he walked with them in the cool of the day. You remember that? Communion with God. As the day would start to close, I, don't you love evenings? I love late evenings. It will be outside when the sun's setting and you can hear the birds and the animals. and It's just a special time. On the beach, oh, on the beach when the sun's setting, isn't that a wonderful time of day? See the sun go over the mountains here? What a great time of day. And God walked with Adam and Eve. We read that they sinned. And God joined them that day for His daily walk. And where was Adam and Eve? Do you remember that story? Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? So we walked in the evenings. See, their sin had separated them from that communion with God. And that's what happens. Your sin, your decision, poor decision, my poor decision to sin separates us from that communion, that walking with God. The man, the woman, who is to be used by God, walks with God on a daily basis. The second time that this idea of walking with God is used is in Genesis chapter 5, with a man named Enoch. you remember the story of Enoch? Enoch was one who walked with God. He was right in his generations. Genesis 5 says, And so and so lived, and he begat sons and daughters, and he died. And so and so lived, and he begat sons and daughters, and he died. So and so lived, and he begat sons and daughters, and he died. And Enoch had sons and daughters, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. I've heard the, the story of a young person, a young child, Telling the story of Enoch, and he said, and Enoch, uh, he 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 walked he walked with God, and they went on went on this long walk, and they got so close to God's house that God just said, why don't you just come and spend the night with me? And Enoch liked it so much he just kept spending the night with God. He walked with God, had this communion with God, and now the third time we read about walking with God is here with Noah. 
Noah had a relationship with God that was close, a communion with God, a walk with God. Do you have that walk with God? Or are you hiding in the leaves with Adam and Eve? You see, when we sin, we're separated. And when God comes to walk with us, God, I don't want you to see me. I'm in a sinful state. But here's the good news. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that an amazing verse of Scripture? You see, in order to walk with God, we're going to sin and we're going to be separated from God at times. We're going to feel distant, right? But when we pray confess our sins, that communion is back together with God. So the person to be used by God is a person who is right with God and who walks with God. Here's the third thing this text teaches us. A person used by God also listens to God. He hears God's voice with the intent to obey. Now look in verse 10. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. And the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Lots of clamoring, lots of sinful noise in the world, in the spiritual world. So God looked upon the earth, verse 12, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God spoke to Noah. Noah, here's what's going to happen. The end of all flesh has come before me, Noah. The earth is filled with violence. Verse 14, So make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it <coughs> inside and out with pitch. He began to listen to what God had to say. You see, God was upset with the world, upset with the sinful decisions of man and woman. God was angry. Noah, do you hear me? Noah, do you hear me? Noah, go build an ark, Noah. Are you listening to God when God speaks? You see, God speaks to us every day. All sorts of ways God speaks, but you know how He's primarily spoken to us? Through His Word, through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the way through Revelation. He speaks to us, are you listening to God? As you begin to read God's Word and to pray, and as you walk with God, God will start to talk to you. Now, He may not talk to you in a voice like mine. I hope it sounds less hickish than mine. I've never thought God sounded like me, by the way. But I think, you know, Adrian Rogers, you know, you guys know Adrian Rogers from over in Memphis. He died a few years back. He had the voice of God. He just had this voice, you know, and I've always pictured God sound like Adrian Rogers. You know. Or maybe the guy that announces the football games. And fumble on the 50-yard line, covered by the University of Virginia Tech, number 37. That kind of voice. That's the way I picture God sounding, right? But he may not speak to you that way. When God called me into the ministry, let me tell you this story. When God called me into the ministry, I was laying in my bed. And the way God always speaks to me, he always speaks to me most of the time when I'm reading his word. I, that's, the way, that's my experience. That's the way he's worked with me. I was laying there, I grew up in church, I was saved when I was 11, and I was laying in my bed reading my Bible one night, about to go to sleep, I think I maybe had to teach Sunday school, that's coming up Sunday in our youth Sunday school class or something, 
And all of a sudden, God, I heard God speak to me, and he said, preach my word. And it was just very matter of fact. But here's the thing about when God spoke to me that night. He's not spoken to me that way, but once or twice since. But I felt it everywhere, okay? I heard him in my feet. I, I know your feet don't have ears, but God knows how to speak so you hear him all over. And, and I heard him. And I was shocked. I thought my mama had said something. I thought somebody in another room had said something. And I sat up, and God again said, preach my word. I felt it all over. I can't explain it. I know it sounds mystical. I know it sounds spiritual. But that happened to me. And I was so scared. I closed my Bible, laid it on the floor, and slept with a light on. Here I am, a 220-pound left guard for the high school football team. And I slept with a light on because I was so scared. And then other times, God has spoken to me very softly, but yet powerfully. Renee's stepdaddy was murdered when I was about 23, how old? 23, 24, maybe? 24 years old. Renee's brother was in San Diego in the Navy. We were in Alabama, but he was in, Renee's step, her, his brother was in the Navy. She had a younger brother who was eight, seven or eight. And her stepdaddy was murdered one night. Well, guess who got voted to go over there and take care of everything with the police? And 24-year-old, and but I was a preacher, and nobody else would do it. And I can remember praying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've never seen anybody shot before. Lord, I've never been around a murder before. What do I do? God, I need you to be real with me. And folks... It was probably midnight that night. I was sitting in a car by myself. <clears throat> but Jesus was sitting beside me. I don't know how to explain it. His presence was so real. And they asked me when I do part of the funeral, and I wasn't a pastor. I preached a few times, but and I didn't know what to do the next day. And so I get my Bible, and I go lay down on the bed, and... I just opened my Bible. I said, Lord, I don't know what to say. And I looked down, and my Bible had opened up to Psalm 18. And the verse I read said, When the pangs of the ungodly surround me, and when the fear of death surrounds me, my cry comes before the Lord. God speaks to us. Are you listening to God? Are you listening to God? You see, you can't be used by God if you don't know what He wants you to do. Are you listening for God? The person God uses is right with God, walks with God, but they hear God because they're listening. You see, the danger in all this is that we get so busy with our lives, doing good things, that we don't listen to God. Listen, I've got kids, and they were in ball. Uh, you know, my youngest boy played basketball in college. I mean, my oldest boy played basketball in college. Listen, he's been shooting a basketball. He's loved Duke University since he's been old enough to know what Duke University was. Love, we had him playing ball. He wanted to play. If he could play it, if it had an opening, he wanted to play it. And so I know what it's like to run up and down the road with your kids. And I know the draw to that. 
And I know the desire to sing in the choir. And I know that draw to be a community-minded person. I understand that and get that. But we get so busy doing good things that we forget about the best thing. God, what is it you're trying to say to me? God, what are you trying to say to me? Are you listening to God? A person used by God is right with God, walks with God, listens to God. But they also trust God and His provisions. They trust God's provisions. Now think about this. Think about Noah. It had never flooded on the earth. He didn't know what a flash flood was. Probably didn't know what an earthquake was either. Didn't know what rain was. And God says, Noah... Here's what I'm going to do. And he's listening to God, okay, because he's been walking with God. And God says, now what I want you to do is you go and cut down some trees of gopher wood. Go cut them down. Can you imagine how many trees he had to cut down? And he didn't have a chainsaw, right? McCullough hadn't been invented at that time. So they had an old axe or something and had to hack down trees to make this thing. Oh, year after year after year, they were cutting trees. I bet you he was so sick of cutting wood. Oh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth probably thought their name was go get some more wood. God, are you sure? Noah, go build an ark out of gopher wood. And you put pitch on it inside. God, this don't make sense. God, are you sure? Do you ever read that in a text? You can read the rest of that text. You can search for it. You'll never find where Noah argued with God. Look down in verse 22. And Noah did. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing little phrase? God told him to do something stupendous. Big enough to carry all two of all the animals. I'm talking about massive. Something that had never been done before. Well, that wasn't flying. Most churches, we've never done it like that before. That's probably why so many of them drown because they're saying, well, Noah, we've never done that before, so we're just not going to do it that way. God put in his heart this great work. And Noah did. Isn't that amazing? Where's the questioning? Where's the doubt? Where's the argument? Listen, folks, I'm one of these. I was hard-headed. God's broke me. He's broke me from sucking eggs a lot of times. I'm still a little bit this way, but when I was young, and God said, go do something, I say, God, are you sure? Like, you know, listen, I'm talking to the creator of the universe. And here I am, a 17-year-old punk kid, you know, thinks I know more than God. God, I don't think you know what you're talking about. You ever done that? Yeah, I think we probably all have. God lays on our heart to go knock on the door and witness to somebody. We just can't do it. Oh, God. Lord, I just don't know. I'm not smart enough. Lord, I just don't know what to say. God, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you trusting God? You say you get in trouble 
Let's say in your life you get in trouble. Say you lose your job. And, and I hope none of you have. I know our economy is horrible. And I hope I'm not pointing right at you. But I've been where you are if you have. You lose your job and you don't have any income. God, I don't know if this is your... God, I don't know what to do. God provides for you. But God, you've not provided me the kind of job I had before. But... God has still provided. Are you trusting God's provisions for you? Are you trusting what God's called you to do? Do you trust God? My life verses, God has put in my heart over the years, Psalm 125, 1 and 2. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed but abides forever. And as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is around about His people. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust the Lord? If He's calling you, obviously He thinks there's something about you that fits the situation. Do you trust in God's wisdom? You see, a person who's going to be used by God has to be right with God, walking with God, listening to God, but also must be a person who trusts God. Do you trust Him? And here's the last thing. The best words a preacher can say, and in conclusion. A person used by God is right with God. They walk with God. They listen to God. They trust God. And here's a very important thing. If you want to be used by God, you've got to be a person who does what God says. Think about it. If you never do what God's called you to do, you'll never be a person that God uses. What if every time I went to grab my banjo, that thing ran off? Or every time I started to use it, it was out of tune. Well, it's out of tune anyway, but most banjos stay out of tune. But what if the thing just had a mind of its own and said, I'm just not going to let you play my strings? You know what I would do if that happened? I'd quit using it. I'd quit grabbing it off the stand. I'd set it aside. You think God might do that with us? You see, if you argue with God enough and say, God, I'm just not going to do it, guess what? God's going to set you right over here in the corner somewhere. Okay, fine. I'll use somebody who's willing. You see, in order to be used by God, you've got to do what God wants. Noah was that kind of person. Look in verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. And just so we didn't miss it, he has that same phrase, so he did. Did you catch that? In one verse, he tells us twice. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, thus he did. You see, you want to be a person used by God, you've got to do what God tells you to do. I know that's simple. In Alabama, though, that makes a lot of sense. Amongst the people I grew up with, that makes good sense. God calls you. And if you want to be a person that God wants to use, that God's going to use, well, you just do it. Look down in chapter 7, verse 5. He had told Noah, Noah, you come into the ark. Verse 5. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Are you willing to do what God has called you to do? You see, it could be something as simple as mowing your neighbor's yard. 
It could be something as simple as just giving the extra $5 in the plate. It could be something as simple as knocking on a neighbor's door. Do you know about Jesus? It could be something as simple as singing in the choir. Being more active. I don't know what God's calling you to do. I don't know how many people are here today. But here's what I know. God's calling you. God wants to use you. He didn't save you to sit in a pew. He saved you to further His kingdom. Do you want to be a person like Noah that God uses? It starts with being right with God. You get in right standing with God by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, number one. Number two, by believing in Him and trusting Him. Are you walking with God? Do you have a daily relationship with God? Are you walking with God? Are you listening to God? What God says, are you hearing His nuances? Are you reading His Word? Are you listening to what Jesus did and said? Do you trust God for what He's called you to do? And then lastly, are you doing what God wants you to do? My invitation is going to be simple. Are you a person whom God can use? If not, today we want you to come. If you've, not been, if you've not been born again, if you've not ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want you to do that. That's the first step. Come today and be born again. Come into right standing. Become the righteousness of God in Jesus. Then secondly, you say, I am a Christian. I've been born again. Are you being used by God? Have you set yourself in a position to be used by God? If not, why don't you come today and say, God, I want to be a person that you use. I'm going to ask you to stand quietly, reverently. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to ask our musicians to come and prepare a hymn of invitation, please. <clears throat> In this quiet moment, are you a person who can be used by God? Heavenly Father, as we give you this invitation time, God, I pray today that you'd help us to be all, all to be willing to be used by you. God, that we would be right with you by accepting your son Jesus. That we would walk with you in daily communion. God, that we would listen for your voice in our lives. God, that we would trust what you're calling us to do. God, help us to do what you called us to do. God, if there's somebody here in this invitation time that needs to be born again, draw them to you. God, if there's somebody here today that needs to come and pray and say, God, I want to be used by you. God, I pray you draw them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother, what are we singing? 294. 294. Why don't you come today as he leads us in our singing. As you start to sing, why don't you come and say, I want to be used by you. God, I want you to use me.